Microsoft changes the background. Microsoft thinks it knows how to get you into the store and a PlayStation exclusive lands on Xbox. Happy Friday, friends. It is a it's a short, compressed week here in um, actually most of the globe. What am I thinking? Uh, it's for many people this weekend. It's a holiday, which means there's there wasn't a lot going on, but there were some notable things, uh, some scoopy things found on the Twitters. Uh, Microsoft kind of broadcasting what's going on and some. Uh, well, let's just dive in, shall we? So what uh, are the big changes this week? And Microsoft is, quote unquote, changing the default background, if you will, in some Windows 11 installs as it experiments here a little bit. So in Windows 11, Insider Build 22598, they're using Windows Spotlight rather than the Bloom background that we have seen on Windows 11 ever since well, Windows 11 has been Windows 11. And so if you're not familiar with Spotlight, it's typically you actually probably are familiar with it. It's on the, the default lock screen where the background changes and, and it's a nice pretty pictures streaming in from the Bings. And so Microsoft is going to experiment with making that the default wallpaper experience with Windows 11 going forward, but we'll, we'll just hold your fingers crossed that we'll see when that actually ships but they're experimenting with it so it's worth uh trying out other things that microsoft is going to be trying out now keep in mind that microsoft build is in a few weeks we still got a few weeks left but end of may typically uh when we will have microsoft build uh microsoft is sort of lining up like what the announcements are going to be so what does that really mean brad what are you saying well first off two things are going to happen one microsoft isn't going to have any major kind of developer related announcements for until this event because that's what they line up for that event on the other side, there's going to be a lot of leaks of people figuring out what Microsoft is going to announce. So uh, one of the leaks that has come out, or at least things that we're starting to see through the tea leaves, is that Microsoft is preparing to allow third-party developers to build widgets and bring them to the store, meaning you can go to the Microsoft store, download a widget, and put it on your taskbar. So that's going to be something we got to keep an eye on here. Uh, it's Microsoft's, I think, next big push to try to get you, dear listener, to download things from the Microsoft store and also try to increase the, the validity of, of supporting and keeping the Microsoft store up and running. So uh, just be on the lookout for that. I think that's I think it's a smart move. I think it's the right move. I think it's the logical move. Not all that surprising. But third-party widgets are going to be finally coming. I guess the big question is, is are they going to allow us to do what weather does that's truly on the taskbar? Or is it only going to allow you to live in widget world or whatever the widget panel is you want to call it? Um, so just keep that in mind. That is something coming along. Uh, Microsoft this week released April updates for the Surface Duo and Duo 2. If you've got one of these little folded bendy guys, you can go download your updated bits. Not a whole lot there. Um, other than some mirror cast improvements, especially on this guy, but uh, more stability enhancements and just minor updates, so keep that on the line. Uh, according to Zach Bowden, the Surface Laptop Go 2 should be coming soon, and that aligns to uh, what I have been hearing as well. Although he hears something slightly different than I did. Um, I heard that the Laptop 5 was being pushed back a little bit. He thinks it's being pushed back a lot of it, uh, meaning that I was expecting it to arrive maybe late spring, sometimes in the summer, but now it looks like maybe they might be holding it all the way off until the fall, uh, so that's the Laptop 5, which would chip refresh, but the Surface Laptop Go 2, uh, expect us to see a minor rev bump in the specs, and that's that's really about it. Um, potentially a new color, by the way, Sage Green might be floating in as well. If you've been holding up mine of a Surface Go laptop, uh, you might just want to wait. Um, oh, the, the, my biggest problem, candidly, with the Surface Laptop Go and, and the Go 2 is the pricing. When you price this thing up, you're getting into like a seven, $800 range, which is a lot of money um, for a laptop with the specs that typically arrive. Like, candidly, like when people say, like, should I go buy a Surface Laptop Go? And they're getting an upper-end spec that's like 800 bucks. I'm like, go look at, like, what Dell and Lenovo have. You can get more laptop for your money. 
if that's you know what whatever um you know surface has never been a typically speaking someone will correct me and, and point out the surface laptop go um it's never been a great value play you're buying the surface brand you're buying the lack of stickers you're buying just the lack of other stuff and so uh just kind of keep that in mind Critics are also saying this week that Windows licensing is anti-competitive because it makes working on other clouds like AWS, Google Cloud, Oracle Cloud, any other cloud, um, just harder. IBM Cloud. Is that, yeah, IBM's got a cloud. Um, which isn't isn't patently false. Microsoft has made it harder to license, or I should say more expensive to license products that aren't running on Azure through bundles and other things. And Microsoft's Brad Smith says, we'll take a look at that because we really don't want to get out of the regulatory spotlight. So if you got a complaint... He'll make sure to get it uh, uncomplainted, or at least rectified, so that, hey, uh, at least Microsoft isn't going to get railed by the big hand of the government, or, or the free market, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and also, as uh, other leaks that have come out related to Build this week, and this comes from Walking Cat, so he's, it looks like he sleuthed out some potential sessions for Microsoft Build. Uh, he's found a, two things that are scary. Uh, Metaverse, it looks like Microsoft is building out Metaverse capabilities within Azure. Not all that surprising. They're trying to build a first-party one, I believe, as well. But they're also going to make it possible for you to build your own Metaverse in their cloud if you really want to. The other more scary thing is he found some sessions related to, or at least a session related to NFTs. And I really hope Microsoft doesn't go down that route. I hope that they maybe potentially build, like, if they're going to go down this road, the tooling to build your own NFT world, I don't really know. Uh, but Walking Cat definitely uncovered the letters NFT uh, related to Azure and related to build. And so do with that information what you will. Uh, just a little smidgen of gaming news this week, just because, again, it's a been compressed week, holiday week, uh, not a lot of news getting announced. First off, I want to clar clarify some comments made last week about the chips in the Xbox. I, I, I stand by what I said. It was the problem was some of the interpretation that I was exclusively unveiling that xbox series x slim is coming no that is not that is not what i said i did not say an xbox series x slim is on the way all i said is that they're working on uh chipset revisions like that's that, like people really went off the deep end of interpreting okay microsoft's looking to make things cooler and more efficient and, and rev the chipset into here comes the xbox series x slim and it's going to cut the price point by 200 like whatever um other things interesting this week uh playstation 5 launched uh title bug snacks which was a ps5 exclusive at the time is now on xbox xbox series one xbox series s and x so if you were thinking about picking up a ps5 because you want to play bug snacks i don't think that's why people were thinking picking it up but either way uh you can now play that on xbox and uh microsoft has also talked or not i guess microsoft didn't announce but maybe they did uh but microsoft recruits certain affinity to help out with halo infinite uh certain affinity is a a dev shop that comes in and and they've contributed things like call of duty and other titles and they're effectively a resource pool that says like look we, we got to hit these deadlines we need a game shop that knows how to do things and, and certain affinity falls into that bucket there's other companies out there that do this they're not the only ones but it looks like they're going to be helping uh get halo infinite across the finish line on certain things which the communication around Halo Infinite continues to be frustrating because they say, look, we know you're out of patience and, and they're like, we're working hard to bring these features to market. But like, I there there's already stories coming out like the How close was Microsoft to not hitting or being able to release anything when Halo Infinite did launch? Because the, the lack of content and lack of clear and concise communication about things um, following the launch has been really frustrating, which means that they probably pulled teams from like every project internally for Halo Infinite and just put them on getting the game out the door. And then that's why things have been a little 
little tricky uh, for them from the communication and shipping perspective. But either way, they're onboarding more resources, which sounds great, but the problem here is anybody who's worked in project management means, okay, we're onboarding more resources. That is wonderful. But that doesn't mean that day one, they're adding significant value and they're helping you hit deadlines. Like it takes time for teams to ramp up, understand where the project is, where the assets are, what teams are doing what, and, and sort of gelling with the main teams uh, to get things moving in the right direction. So either way, uh, there we go. So, uh, dropping into the questions of the week, an old Amiga user says, will Microsoft ever build a lightweight OS or will they continue cutting features from Windows until it is fully simplified? Uh, I don't think Microsoft is ever going to build. Oh, let me, let me take that back. Microsoft does build lightweight OS. Uh, lightweight operating systems just not for the pc go look at their iot stuff and the hilarious part is some of that is built on linux and so microsoft technically does build a lightweight os it's just not for the devices that you use uh, meaning the, the pcs of the world i don't think we are going to see and this is more opinion based on on facts of the past i don't think we are going to see microsoft go crazy anymore trying to strip out and gut and create a super lightweight version of windows they have tried multiple times they have failed multiple times and there doesn't really seem to be any significant benefit this is one of the challenges i have like internally trying to think about how microsoft is approaching windows microsoft shipped windows 11 and they made some more money but Compared to the investment placed into Windows versus an investment placed into an Office product or Azure, the return is not as big, meaning that the, the potential growth perspective or, or options for Windows is much smaller. Like the, the market is, Microsoft already owns the PC market for the most part. I know that it's not perfect, uh, but they own a large chunk of it. The, the growth potential in the world of Windows is much smaller than, say, Azure or Office or other tools that Microsoft builds. So when it comes to should Microsoft invest a whole bunch of money back into Windows, like the justification, at least internally, isn't always there. Now, you can make the argument that it'll help them sustain market and continue to keep making billions of dollars every quarter, which is absolutely true. But on the flip side, Microsoft already sort of abandoned Windows for a few years during the later cycles of Windows 10, and they continue to make all this money hand over fist every single quarter without the same investment. So um, are they going to strip down and build a super lightweight version of Windows? I, I personally do not think so because I don't think it makes a lot of sense because what are they going to gain from it? You could potentially make an argument they're going to compete with iPads, but let's be honest, there's versions of Android that do similar things that are, you know, lighter weight, and they still could not compete with iPads. Does that mean Microsoft can't? No, but what's the, but is there truly a, a, a good differential that will make them allow them to compete with iPads? I don't think that there is. I really don't because Microsoft wins in the productivity space and productivity comes from running legacy applications and running just your environment as you see fit. And that doesn't fit into the iPad or even Android narrative. So uh, I don't think Microsoft will go back down that route. I personally don't. I think ARM is where they will invest, uh, you know, sort of their their longer horizon look bets for Windows 11 and they'll continue to do what they're doing because let's be honest, it works um, and it's done well. Mr. PKI coming in with two questions this week. The first one in the box says, uh, do you think there will be a Surface Duo 3 or is the line discontinued? I do believe there will be a Surface Duo 3. At least it's in the cards. Let me put it that way. I don't know when or if it will ship. Microsoft could pull this thing at any time. But um, I know that they had flavors of it floating around. And whether or not they will get the green light to ship, whole different conversation. So, uh, Eternal Shot Eye says, Hello, Brad. My two questions are, what is the time frame when we, when we are going to hear about the Family Game Pass Pan? <laughs> I can't enunciate. Family Game Pass Plan. And will we ever see Microsoft Teams replacing Xbox? Oh, two questions. Okay. The, uh, the Family Party Plan, last I heard, uh, was targeted for a fall release around the holiday time of this year. 
Now keep in mind, lots of things change. Lots of things are in moving timelines. So that was the initial target. We'll see if it arrives. Uh, his next question is, uh, will we ever see Microsoft Teams replacing Xbox Party? Uh, to, oh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> to make it as a bundle, not only for business and other communications, but adding communications to the other 250 million users as claimed. Um, I hope not. I hope that Xbox Party Chat remains its own thing, off of its own universe. And then Microsoft Teams remains just in the business. I think it actually makes more sense to bring Xbox Party Chat to the desktop and allow Microsoft and users to just commun communicate that way as the default, almost a Discord-like experience. And I know that you can do that currently, but Microsoft doesn't really push it and promote it in that fashion. Right now they're in this like uh, Teams for consumer thing, but I don't know why they haven't tried to leverage Xbox. Maybe because every time they try to leverage Xbox as a brand outside of Xbox, it kind of fails. Like Xbox Music doesn't really work. Um, and there were some other things along the way. And so maybe they were like, eh, it just doesn't work. Uh, but I think I think it would be easier for Microsoft to try to challenge Discord by bringing Xbox chat and communication as a first, uh, you, you know, as a top tier service and, and, and investment platform than saying Teams for life, as we used to call it, or the Teams consumer iteration. That's just me personally. Amigi says, uh, now that we know that there won't be an E3 this year, what do you think the main problems which caused this disaster. Do you think Microsoft will have its own event? Finally, and, uh, okay, so here's another question. So, uh, what related to the death of E3? I think this is just a natural thing that has happened in the marketplace. I mean, look at CES. Microsoft pulled out of CES. CES is very clearly contracted in some capacity of what it actually used to be. These mega, mega, mega conferences that relied on these uh, billion and trillion dollar companies to help make them a thing have kind of gone away. The reason being is companies like Apple, uh, Microsoft, uh, Sony in this gaming space for sure have realized that, hey, we can make our own press events. We can do it on our own timeline and we don't have to pay the exorbitant fees to present at E3 or CES or anything else like that. And so why why go to these events when we can have our own event where we control everything that is going on? Because you got to remember, you go to E3. Let's, let's jump back a few years when Sony and Xbox were both at E3 and Nintendo, for all that matter. When you go there, you have to really come up with some special sauce to try to grab headlines because you're not only competing against all the indie devs and smaller shops, like you're not even you know, small like EAs of the world, uh, but you're competing against Sony and PlayStation from a Microsoft perspective. And so you've got to come with the big guns to really make it happen. Now, if you leave E3 and you do an event just random date, May 19th, nobody else is presenting that day. You have the stage to yourself. And so I think that was one of the driving factors. I mean, after Sony pulled out, and keep in mind, Microsoft did always go to E3, but they always were out of, off on their own thing. Um, the Nokia Theater, Microsoft Theater, whatever they're calling it these days. And so that all led up to it. And then you had the pandemic that happened. And so conferences really fizzled out in, in kind of just across the board. And so now the conference season is starting to kind of come back around in life. And all of a sudden these companies are like, why are we going to go do this thing? Like it's, it's, we've got the pandemic. We know we can create our own crowd. It's not on our timeline. And so they're just pulling out and E3 just doesn't really fit a June conference for gaming was a little just off because a lot of big tier games launch in the fall, typically between like the September and December timeframe. And so getting an event closer to that maybe made more sense, but either way, um, I think that's sort of uh, what was the demise of it. 
And then he says, do you think Microsoft will have its own event? Yes. Um, almost positive of that. Finally, and not related, uh, do you think Twitter will be able to say no to Elon? And Matt Thinus also says, what are my thoughts on e related to Elon buying the Twitters? Um, so I have a pretty heavy Twitter user at BD Sam's. Love chatting with everybody. Uh, a lot of questions from this podcast or topics sometimes get derived from that. Okay. I am firmly against Elon buying Twitter. Uh, and maybe not for reasons people agree with or disagree with. One, Twitter is, a, is its own thing. Elon already has a rocket company and an electric car company. Does he need a social media company? I don't, I don't know. I'd rather him focus on putting people on the moon and Mars and getting electric cars uh, lower cost than him figuring out how to save the Twitter trolls. Uh, the other thing, too, is if I had all the money in the world, I would never buy a social media company in the world. Do you like having moderation problems? Do you like getting screamed at by governments? Do you like having to decide what is and isn't free speech? If you do, then buy a social media company because, geez, can you talk about a, a worse environment? Don't get me wrong. We need, we don't know if we need, but I really like Twitter. I really do. But I would never want to be the person to sit there and say, well, I don't know. We can't publish these images. We can't do this because we got to watch. Like, you're, it's a very, there's, to say that there is a blanket statement on free speech is really, really naive. Like, people get this messed up all the time. Sometimes intentional, I think, just to drive people nuts. But Twitter is not a place of free speech. It never has been and it never will be. And if you don't believe me, go out there and start uh, trying to attack governments on Twitter. Go out, go out there and tweet something. Don't do this, by the way. Don't please, for the love of God, do not do this. There's an image of a girl who tweeted out a bomb threat at, uh, I think it was like American Airlines, and then got arrested for it or something like that. Uh, like it, it will never. There's, I cannot think of a worse company to buy from Elon's perspective than Twitter. I'm sure, I know he likes it and he wants to control it and make some changes. Fine, um, but I. I would never walk into a content moderation battle on the internet because there's there's no way you can win. You cannot win. You can say, yes, we're truly free speech and everything goes and good luck. Good luck with disinformation. Good luck with nation states trying to impact elections. Or you come and say, like, ah, we'll just get rid of that. But then, like, what is that? Like, how do you define that? Like, Elon, just stay out of it. You're going to you're gonna be worse off owning this company. Uh, it's Everybody always thinks it's so easy to do content moderation and it is a terrible terrible thing to do and I hats off to the companies that can figure it out and do it well I would never venture I would never walk into that uh personally so either way you know that's just my rant on it uh the Joe Finn says uh have you heard anything about a possible surface earbuds too the only thing I've heard about surface earbuds is that they were not selling well uh that is that is the only thing I've heard so far so I've not heard if surface earbud twos are in the works it wouldn't surprise let me put it this way. Microsoft always has next versions in their labs about what they would do. They probably already had them before they even launched the first ones. To your point, ANC, our active noise cancellation, um, is one of those those areas. And there's some other things uh, that service earbuds, earbuds lack at this point. But are they in the cards for shipping? I don't know. I, I haven't heard if they are coming to market yet. I have not heard. I just know that the first ones did not sell well. Uh, Jay Wolf says... Hey, Brad, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Jay. Uh, how many years do you... Oh, this is a great question. How many years do you see the chip shortage lasting? This is a fantastic question. And I think the answer to this very candidly might be until more fabs come online. So what he's asking about, and, and no surprise here, is that buying, getting chips is hard. I saw uh, from an analyst who said the, the go-forward looking outlook to buy the substrate to build 
chips is it used to be like six to nine months was typically the lead time to get the material that you need. It's approaching 30 months, meaning that if you want to buy the material to build your chips, it is getting close to a, you, you place your order today. You're not getting it for 30 months. Good luck. Like, like good luck if you're not already on, on the, on the pipeline, um, which is going to create a real big problem for companies trying to onboard and build out new technology and they need fab time. Hold on conversation. I personally think this chip shortage is going to last until things like Intel's uh, new system that's coming on in Ohio. Uh, there's also, I think, one in Israel. I think uh, there's some other uh, whole bunch of stuff going on in Texas uh, and Arizona and that area where chips are like Samsung. And I think TSMC is also investing there. I candidly think we may not see a, a relief in the market until these chip plant comes these come online the reason why i say that is we were just starting to kind of see things maybe maybe not not dramatically improve but start to get better and then the headlines came out that in china uh i think it's ba2 version uh, of the pandemic's latest and greatest is wrecking the industry over there uh, especially the manufacturing industry and i wish them all the best we you can go do your own research about what's going on but then it boils down to is that assembly plants and lines are shutting down again and we saw how fragile our economy is when it comes to silicon and these chipsets that just a, a minor hiccup in the wave of these pipelines has dramatic rippling effects for many industries and the fact that it's happening again doesn't mean that it's going to get worse, but it also doesn't mean it's going to get any time better anytime soon. And so I think we are going to be stuck in this sort of, hey, there's constraints for a while until there is new capacity to absorb that overhead. And that's going to take some time. And so it's a, it's a wonderful question. He says, it seems like the PS5 is still struggling with restocking uh, because of supply issues. I think, I think that narrative now, the PS5 will eventually catch up just through the nature of time passing and enough people will eventually get their hands on it. But uh, is that going to become, like the question that's in my head is, is capacity actually increasing or is capacity flat and then demand is just slowly waning over time because eventually, right, all the people who wanted one will eventually get one. It's just taking time. Uh, and so... Yeah, uh, I, uh, it says, do you really think we could see this generation of consoles lasting into 2030 due to the so shortage? Potentially, and that one's a lot harder to sort of pinpoint, but the chip shortage is absolutely very real and it is not getting better anytime soon. And companies are doing very creative strategies to try to figure out how to get around this. <laughs> like I love e economics on that. I, the, one of the things that I think is going to happen here, and this is not financial advice, I'm not your financial advisor, I'm not anything of whatever, um, is that I think we're going to start to see a contraction in the market. Reason being is that we saw some really good growth. The pandemic drove a lot of industries, but now we're sort of on that tail end of what's going on and companies are going to have trouble meeting, potentially meeting, um, sales expectation. And when across the board, companies can't meet sales expectation, that typically means we're, we're in a bit of a contraction. Reason being is Apple's perfect example. The line shut down and it's estimate, estimated that they've lost between six to nine million iPhones because of the, the uh, shutdown of the lines. That has pretty significant impact on Apple's bottom line. This is not. This is going to resonate across the industry. So things I'm going to be watching for here is what's happening with Microsoft because Microsoft was a big winner, one of the big winners of the hybrid world. Uh, you know, people moving around, and so are they seeing a slowing down of their sales? Obviously, Microsoft is doing a lot of things. Some, are, you know, they just jacked the price up, Office 365 up. Um, and watching them, watching Apple, watching AWS, and watching these big companies, these big tech companies specifically, what's going to happen to them going forward here in the next couple quarters? Because I think that's going to be indicative of the several years ahead as the world 
kind of sort of recovers ish and, and figures out what is the, the next phase of the market. And so, uh, either way, take that information as you will. Mr. PKI says, okay, you already know what question I'm going to end this week with. What do you think of the Halo TV series? Is the audience growing or is it declining like Halo Infinite player accounts on Steam? Youch! Okay, so I have now watched the first three episodes. I will tell you, um, first episode, pretty good. Wasn't a big fan of the second episode. Uh, the second in the series was okay. The third, I think, was somewhere in the middle. So I would say the third was the third best. I... It's a good series. I think it's the best. As of right now, we're only three episodes in, so maybe maybe the story arc will continue. I'm not a big fan of um, some of the the unveilings, if you will, of Master Chief. We'll just call. It, we'll just if you don't know what I'm talking about, consider yourself lucky. If you do, whatever. I'm not a big fan of the, some of the unveilings because I always like Master Chief being Master Chief. Either way, um, it's okay. I think it's it's okay. I, I don't. I don't have a big desire to, I will watch every episode just because I'm you know, personally involved and tied and, and, and like the industry. Uh, I will watch every single episode, but number three was okay. I think it's an okay TV series. I don't, it does to me, it's not like an Emmy award winning thing. It's not like For All Mankind or Ted Lasso, um, those kind of shows or, or, or Drive to Survive. It's just okay. And so I, I give it a resounding, it's okay. So uh, we'll see. Will the... Will the audience grow or is it, well, typically, uh, from my limited market knowledge of TV series, it's just like every other thing. I I would imagine it will continue to decline because typically you get your big growth user base up front and then each people, you know, people tail off as the series go on, either they forget about it or just don't care. So either way. There you go, my friends. It has been another Friday. It has been another podcast. It is a holiday weekend. You got Passover. You got Easter. I hope everybody has a good weekend. And uh, we'll be back next week. I'm expecting probably a little bit slower every week again because Monday is a holiday and people are kind of like, you know, bumbling and mumbling in. So either way, have yourselves a wonderful weekend and we'll catch all of you right back here next time.